Romans, and as we've been going through um, learning just lots of different, um, lots of different things, uh, it, was a, it was a letter that was written to a bunch of people who lived around this city called Ephesus, but that letter has been preserved, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just um, uh, a scroll or some words on paper. It's the living Word of God that still is powerful today and still changes lives today. And that's, that's what my hope is in today. That, that's exactly what's going to happen um, in, uh, in this place and in our lives. So if you go to Ephesians chapter 6, um, and in verse 10, uh, it says this, A final word, be strong in the Lord. And that final word, it says this, From now on, live like this. He's talking about the change of our life. It's, it was... Um, uh, this, this idea of not just, hey, on Sundays, but that our lives would be affected by this. So it says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. He's telling you to be strong, but get your strength from him. God's not going to do it all for you. You need, to, you need to do something in this. And it says, we're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, putting on the body armor of God's righteousness, and for shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devils we talked about last week. And then it says in verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is um, the Word of God. Uh, we were talking, uh, and we've read that chunk multiple times, probably six or seven weeks in a row. But in that, uh, my encouragement is that 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 you realize that Paul's saying, hey, from now on, you need to live like this. Live um, your life realizing that you need armor. Uh, it's not physical armor. We're not, like we said, we're not handing out swords and shields today, uh, but it's, it is real armor. It's something that is, is really protecting you, really working in your life if you've got it on. Um, the, the, uh, one of the translations just says, we wrestle against these things, against these that's evil, these evil principalities. We're wrestling against that. And the idea of wrestling is that you know, in wrestling, you don't kill the other opponent. You're not supposed to anyways, right? Like WWF or whatever. Uh, uh, even the other ones, you're not, you don't kill the other person. Uh, and you, there's the, the idea of there's going to be another fight. There's going to be, if you're, if you're into wrestling, you're going to, you know, wrestle and wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. How many of you have found that in your Christian life? That, you know, you've, you had, you know, this, this temptation and you dealt with it. And then all of a sudden there was another one. Uh, you know, you went through this really difficult time. You got through it. And then there's another difficult time. Yeah? That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you got to live like this because you're going to keep on wrestling. It's not just going to be done and over. And then he just says, stand firm on these things and realize that that battle, that battle's not happening out here. As much as it's things out here, where that battle is, is here. It's amazing at how you can watch two people get the same news and how they handle it totally differently. Two people can be told, you have cancer, and one's like, I'm dead. And the other one's like, I'm fighting. What happened? Something happened here. Same news, different battle strategy, different fight between the ears. My question for you, and I guess Paul's encouragement for you is stand uh, and, and fight that battle. Fight the things that are, that are happening between the ears as well as, as the things that are um, outside. And we're going to look at that. So um, it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that word, it's, there's two tr- um, 
uh, words used for that in Greek, if you care, one's rhema, one's logos, doesn't make a big difference. Um, they basically are talking about the same idea of not the words printed on a page, but the, the, the message of those words. You know, you could read the words, I love you, and what do they mean? If it came from me, um, it, well, that's not a bad, that's a bad example. Let's say it came from somebody you don't know, right? And you're like, I love you. That doesn't mean anything. But now picture it coming from your sweetheart. You're like, you read the same words, I love you. It's like, oh, oh, I know it. She's awesome, right? Uh, there, there's something different. Same printed words, different. He's saying what the, the idea of the, the sword, it's not the words printed on a page. It's that message. It's the essence of that message. He says, it's the sword. And so today it's a bit of sword training. Uh, this idea of, hey, how do you use the sword? And it's like, so some of you, you know, as you're thinking, I don't know, you're like, uh, sword training is kind of whatever. But when I was, when my mind, I don't know how. It, it works in old movies these days for some reason. Uh, so I was preparing for this. Right away, this video clip came to me from The Mask of Zorro. And I thought, you know, it's a lot of Christians remind me of this clip from The Mask of Zorro. So we're going we're gonna to show that clip before we get started. So uh, there we go. Anthony Hopkins, right on. If you are ready, we will both tempt our fates. Let's go, man. Do you know how to use that thing? Pointy and goes into the other man. This is going to take a lot of work. But I, I, that, that's exactly what played through my head. I thought it was from the Princess Bride, and as I'm looking for that thing, it was that, that idea of, you know what, the pointy end goes in the other guy. And Paul's saying the, the, this thought, too, with the Ephesians is like, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but isn't it amazing at how many Christians use this against one another? It's crazy at how they, how they, the, you know, you can have churches that say, hey, we're going to love people, we're going to accept, we're going to forgive, we're going to encourage, uh, like this place, uh, that, that idea of we believe that's the heart of Jesus Christ. And yet, you'll, we're up against what so many other churches have done, say, you're dirty, rotten sinners, you're going to hell, you're all going to burn. And it's like that thing of both came from the scriptures, both want to use this book as their thing, and yet one is using it against people, and another saying, hey, we want to we want to try and, um, and show what the message of this book was. It was a love letter to people. I see that, that thought, and I thought, you know what? Um, be, if we don't realize what this word is for, we'll use it in so many wrong ways, uh, and we're going to talk, we're gonna talk uh, about that uh, as we go through. Um, back in the day, I want to call it, um, uh, well, Back in the day, there was this, um, this uh, show called Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Uh, it's still on. But they used to do this sketch called um, uh, Celebrity Jeopardy, where they'd have like, these celebrities who were just terrible uh, at getting all the, uh, the answers. They, like, they, their scores would be minus 17,000. Well, one of the ones on there, um, they had this category called S-words. And Sean Connery says, I'll take Schwartz for uh, 200, Alex. Right? And he's like, it's not words. It's S words. And, and th that thought for, is, is what uh, kind of got me uh, going uh, on this thing of the S words of the word. I want to call today S words. S words or swords, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. But the, the idea of S words, um, a few thoughts about um, the word of God just with those things. Hopefully they're simple for you to remember. So if you got a pen, grab your bulletin. I encourage you to take some notes on this because it matters. Paul said, hey, you, you got to take up this stuff. One, uh, my heart today is that that's going to help you to do that. So the first one, the first S word is the word savor. Uh, not saber like a sword, but savor. Say that together. Savor. Right. So when you think of savor, what do you think of? Eating. What kind of food? What do you savor? 
Maybe you're like me. A couple weeks ago, I went to um, the Brazilian, the Brasa Brazilian Steakhouse in the Falls. Have you ever been there? I know. So delicious. So they got like, you know, prime rib. They got these um, bacon-wrapped tenderloins. And these guys walk around with these knives full of meat and just come up to your table. And then they say, hey, you want some? You're like, yeah. And they just cut off a piece of this meat just freshly off the grill. And then they just keep coming around. You know when you have a good steak at like the keg and you eat that first bite, you're like, oh, God, that's awesome. I, that is the best flavor in the world. You know, but a few more bites in, you're like, oh, it's just a flavor, right? Because it's the same flavor. But you go to the steakhouse and you start eating there, it's like every time it's a brand new flavor. It's like, oh, this is just like your mouth starts watering, you're saving, you're like, um, my, my buddy's like, yeah, when you go there, you end up like in a meat coma because by the end, you're just like, you, there's this thing of, I can't do anymore, but that's just not here. It's like, I can do another bite. And afterwards, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done another bite. But it's like that taste and that savor, and you're like, oh, it's amazing. Maybe you're not meat people. For some of you, this is, this is more your savory uh, th- a treat. You're like, oh, chocolate, you know, ice cream, strawberries. But it makes your mouth water and think, ah, oh, yeah, there's this, there's this thing about that. My son, Lincoln, he was, um, he's born with this idea of savoring food. Like, he's five, but he just loves food. It's incredible uh, at how much... Um, that he enjoys food. He'll sit there and he'll eat stuff and he, stuff he doesn't like, like oatmeal. I mean, it is a battle. The first words out of his mouth most mornings are, I'm awake. No oatmeal. Please don't be oatmeal day, right? We have five oatmeal days a week and two cereal days, but he, he just, he just doesn't like oatmeal, uh, but he loves everything else. He just wants something really, really yummy. And if he's sitting there eating, Beth just, she just loves watching him eat the food. He's like, oh, yeah, yum. Oh, oh, mom, this is the best Snyder's corn on the cob, right? Like, it's, he just, he gets, and he doesn't get that from me, because I wasn't born with that. I just eat food to survive, right? It doesn't matter what it tastes like, toast, whatever, just live. Uh, and yet, um, when I was, uh, when I was youth pastoring early in the day, and I had moved out on my own, and I didn't, I mean, I cooked bacon and eggs every day, because that's all I knew how to cook, but I'd go and eat at Wes and Angie's place. Uh, they were um, the pastors of Sweets Corners, and so I'd, I'd be at their place and eating it. Angie, her big thing was, she's like, I want to hear you enjoy the food that I'm making for you. And I'm like, I just don't do that. That's like weird. That's like creepy. When people are groaning while they eat, that's just, that's just odd. And it's like, I'm not making those sounds, right? Like, I'm just not doing that. And she's like, well, if you want to eat here, then you're going to do that. And she's like, I just, oh, you know, Wesley, he's the best man in the world. Listen to him groan as he eats my food. And, and he would. He'd be like, mmm, oh, that's amazing. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. So, uh, but then all of a sudden I started realizing I'm not getting invited over as much. And so I thought, well, okay, you know. And, and so every time I'd go there, she would say, I want to hear you enjoy the food. So I'd like, all right, mmm, that's the best salad dressing ever. And she'd be like, why? You know, I didn't make the salad dressing. Or like, well, Mm, that butter was mm, delicious. And she's like, that's it. You're never coming over again, right? But this, this thing, I wasn't born with it. But then later on, I started learning to realize, oh, you know what? There is something. And you start, you say, begin to think about it. I do really enjoy food now. It's a whole different, I'm trying new things. I ate crab this week and, I ne- and it was like looking at me, but it, it was, uh, it was, I would never try something, but my, it's, it's, it's grown. I've learned. And I say that to say this, because it's not all about food. Now, if you guys like, just get done with it. I got to go home and barbecue. I'm like, thank you for that. Um, the idea of savoring the word. Have you ever thought of that? You're like, uh, Bible salivating. No, I don't see the comparison. Um, David, as you read about David, David wrote so many of the Psalms, and he wrote about this idea of tasting. Taste and see that the Lord's good. Experience 
um, that experience him and realize that he's good. He wrote stuff like this. He wrote, um, how sweet your words taste to me. They're sweeter than honey. He wrote that in Psalm 119. He actually wrote Psalm 119, which is the largest chapter in the Bible, all just about the word, about how amazing the the word of God is. He's like, I'm just going to write verse after verse after verse. He wrote things like this in Psalm um, 10. He says, the laws of the Lord are true. They're more desirable. He says, this is more desirable than finest gold. It's sweeter also than, you know, the purest honey. And you think about that, and you're like, wow, you know, David, you really got this thing for the, for the Word of God. And you know what? He, he only had the first five books. He said all this stuff about Genesis, Exodus, which is all laws, Leviticus, which is all stranger laws, Numbers, which is just a whole lot of numbers about people, and then Deuteronomy, which is a repeat of all those laws. So he sees this, and he reads, and he's like, man, you know what, God? It's amazing. And we think about it, and if you're honest, sometimes, you know, you start reading through the Bible in a year, and you get to Numbers, you're like, I don't even know how to pronounce these names, you know. Sepak and Maltese gave birth to, like, Philip and the Maze, and he had to, and, so, and I'm like, okay, that's it. You know, I'm done. And, and it's like, it's kind of dry. No? But he said this is what he had, and was like, you know what? There's something just so life-giving in that. And, and it's amazing that we have so much more. At this point, we have all the stuff that he wrote. He wrote in Psalm chapter 1, he said, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man, you know, who doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful or stand in the path of sinners. Um, uh, it's, his, his, his thought was, hey, it's not blessed is the people who don't do bad stuff. He said, but he says this, but blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that book, he meditates day and night. He's chewing it over. Uh, and it says, and he'll be blessed. Whatever he does is going to prosper. His, he, things are going to happen in his life. Why? Because he meditates on this. He delights in this. And that word delight is like that thing of he just enjoys, enjoys that. Uh, and you see that, and you think, hmm, you know, our reality often is, you know, blessed is the man who, you know, uh, who forces himself to read the Word of God, and he feels guilty all day until he does it, because that's what Christians are supposed to do. But this idea that Paul was saying of picking up the sword is this idea of delighting in it, savoring it, that, that um, thought. Some people describe the Word of God with words like this, boring, confusing, outdated, irrelevant. Do you want to know how God describes this book? how God describes what's in here. He describes it this way. Hebrews 4 verse 12, he says this, for the word of God, the word of God, the essence of that message, it's alive. Alive. It's powerful, which means it's effective. It actually can do what it says it can do. He says this is sharper than any, um, than the sharpest two-edged sword. Again, making that comparison. And he says this, that, that word, it cuts between soul and spirit. He makes that distinction. And I think you need to, to, to be aware of that too, is you know, not everything is demonic. Not everything that you're fighting is some demon after you or there's an attack on your life from outside. He says sometimes there's spirit. Sometimes it's just simply soul. Sometimes it's just mindsets. It's things you believe. Remember how we were talking in, in Ephesians, it says we're fighting against these principalities and powers. Paul says in 2 Corinthians to that church, he says the weapons that we have, they're, they're mighty for pulling down strongholds, the thoughts in our mind. Sometimes it's spiritual Sometimes the attack is just mental. And he says the Word of God sh- um, shows the difference between the two. He says it also um, divides between joints and marrow and exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You know, we saw that video of, hey, that sword is all about, you know, the other guy. Most often with the Word is that thing turns around. It's more like a scalpel to our own heart. It begins to carve and cut into our own lives about different things that are happening in us. But it's alive. My question for, for you and was for me too, what's the value that I place on this? What value do I really place on the Word of God? 
Is it every Sunday? It's like, oh, where did I leave that thing? I got to find it. <sighs> okay, let's take a look. Uh, you know, it's, uh, or is there, is there a value? This week, um, if you're listening, you know, to the news, you may have heard that they're actually t- um, teaching people now with investing on how to invest in Harry Potter and make money. Um, the very first book that uh, J.K. Rowling's wrote, um, the, the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the original book right now is selling between forty dollars and $55,000 per copy. Forty dollars to $55,000 per copy. I think, man, there's incredible value people are placing on a book of hogwash and hogwarts, you know? It's like, what? But there's that value. What do we place on this? You know, as I read through some of the books, like Fox's Book of Martyrs, and there's a, there's a more um, recent one called Jesus Freaks that DC Talk put out, and they just talk about the value uh, that, that people in persecuted countries put on this book, on the words of this. You know, as they're sitting in prison, it tells the stories of one, one man in, 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 uh, who's in prison in China who had hidden one of these pages, just one page. It's all he could take. He carried that page with him everywhere, memorizing it, reading it day after day. If it got found, he's dead. That's all it takes for them to find that page in his prison cell, and he's dead. He says he was put in prison. Anyone who claims to be any kind of, um, uh, any affiliation with it gets jail time immediately, two to three years. And they, and more often than not, they don't make it through that two to three years. But he said, you know, in his story after coming out, just that, that it was those words that sustained me. And I protect them and valued them with my life. What kind of value do we place? What value does this actually have in our lives? Because Paul's saying, listen, take it up and from now on, hold it, wield it, use it, live like this. Do we value it in our lives? So number one is savor. Number two is this, study. Study the word. In 2 Timothy, Paul wrote to the young Timothy and said to him, he said in um, chapter 2, verse 15, be diligent. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. One of those words is um, the word study, but Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, be diligent. Diligent's kind of like that bloodhound, you know? Like going through, the, going through the word, seeking out things. The words, when you look up in the um, thesaurus, if you see the word diligent, it means hardworking, careful, thorough, tenacious, persistent, zealous, dedicated. He's like, Timothy, be all of these things. Um, and, and he says in, in this idea of studying the word of God so that you rightly divide it. There's only one word that's the opposite of, of this, of diligent, and that's the word lazy. Um, so it's like for, for some of you, you know, maybe there's the, this two, the two ideas of when you were in school, did you go to school every day and study and be like, okay, you know, I learned that math stuff, and then that night you spent an hour doing your homework and just committing it to your memory and saying, okay, because I'm going to need this someday. I'm going to need to know the square root of pi or whatever. I'm going to need that kind of stuff. And so the next day it's English, and I spend an hour and just like I'm committing that to memory. I'm sure you did, Daryl. Uh, and then, uh, 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 you know, or maybe you're the other side. We're like, oh, there's a test tomorrow. And you're like, oh, I got to cram, 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 and cram. So many believers do the same thing. It's this. Rather than just saying every day, just putting some of the word into their life, they get into the mode of like all of a sudden they face a test, a trial, a struggle. They're like, what do I do? I need something. The doctor said this. Where's all the scriptures on healing? My girlfriend broke up with me. Where's all the scriptures on how to get her back? You know, I got two jobs of this or this. What do I do? And they usually email me, Mark, give me something. Send me a verse. Tell me something. He doesn't want to talk to you through me. That's what he told me. He wants to talk to you himself, right? He, he wants to talk to you. And, and the, you know, one of the greatest ways is through the word, but he says study it so that you rightly understand it and rightly explain it. Because so many people use the word out of context. They'll take verses and they'll just make it mean whatever they want it to mean. And it doesn't mean that. It drives me crazy 
When people say, hey, you know, here's something from, something from the Word, and this is why I can do this, I'm just like, oh, that's not what the Bible says in those places. It's, no, it's not meaning that at all. That's just something, that, it, it drives me nuts. But you see that. People use verses to convey whatever, whatever they want. The Berean Jews in Acts chapter 17, it says they were, they, these people were better than most people around. He says because they were eager to hear the Word, which I see here all the time. People eagerly just hearing the Word says then they did something. They were listening to Paul and Silas preach, and then they went home after they had eagerly heard the word, and they began to search the book. They're like, man, I want to see if Paul's telling the truth. It's Paul, Apostle Paul. And they're like, I don't trust it. I don't know. I'm going to go home. And, and he commended them and said, you guys, that's awesome. My same thought is for you. Do you go home and be like, yeah, I wonder if Mark's just pulling my leg, you know? It's like, I'm going, I'm going to go look. And it says every day, day by day, they went through and they searched to see, you know what, that's the challenge to you. The challenge is for you to say, hey, you be a one who's diligent to rightly divide the word of truth. We got resources like crazy. Right now, media is something that can just put the word of God into your home every single day. If you don't have it, just sign up on the bulletin. We'll hook you up with it. Puts about 3,400 Bible studies in your house that you can just have a chance to do that. Precept Bible study with Jackie. You learn how to study the word. Don't just say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I kind of read the book. Find out. He's saying it's more than that. It's, it's um, studying it. Who wrote what we're reading? You know, who do they write it to? How does it apply to me? Because otherwise you'll take stuff and you'll use it wrongly. Um, so the first one is savor. The second one, study. The third one is this, submit to the word. Submit. You know, we, we hate that word usually. Ugh, submit. I don't, I don't, ugh, I just want to do what I want to do. The word's yield. The idea of yield, giving the right of way. Um, when you don't give the right of way, for instance, a truck this week failed to yield the right of way to a bridge. And we saw what, uh, we saw what happened as a result, and they're still, you know, um, trying to clean up that mess. But the yielding the right of way, you know, there's all kinds of accidents that happen all the time because of this. You know, it's one thing if a car doesn't yield the right of way to another car, and, you know, there's a fender bender, and it's like, oh, you know, there's $500 damage. It's a whole nother thing when someone doesn't yield the right of way, say a motorcycle doesn't yield the right of way to a transport truck, and now there's a fatality. See, failing to yield the right of way causes pain, it causes hurt, it causes accidents, and you really never know what the level of that pain is going to be. So this same thing, this idea of not yielding to the Word of God, it's going to cause and bring pain, hurt into your life that we're trying to spare you from, but you don't know the level of what it's going to be. So it's this idea of saying, you know what, God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, my answer to your word is yes. Whatever you say, yes, that's what I say. Um, Second Timothy, Paul wrote this to him in, in chapter 3, verse 16. He says, all scripture, the whole thing, it's all inspired by God. This isn't just some men's ideas. God, this God's thoughts, he says, it's useful to teach us. Here's what it's for. It's useful to teach us what's true. Remember we're talking about having truth? That's where you get it from. He says it helps, our, it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. That's usually why we don't read it. Because we're just like, I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want to point it out. But it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. As a follower of Jesus, our answer, really, if we're true and saying, yes, I'm following Jesus, I'm a disciple of him, our answer should be yes. You know, I, I, hear, I hear these things. Here's some quotes that I've heard just in the last couple of weeks. This is one of them. Well, I, I know the Bible, I, I just don't believe that part of the Bible. These people were telling me this, but I just don't believe that part. I only, you know, I believe some of the other things. I believe what, what I, what I want to believe. I know the Bible says that we're not supposed to live together, but I think we're going to be okay. I know the Bible says that God loves me, but I just don't feel it right now. So yeah, I know that the Bible says that, but I don't really, I'm not going to submit my life to that. You know, knowing 
knowing his word and realizing that what he's got in there is good. That's where you get like David. He says, I, all he had was the laws. And he's like, man, they're amazing. They're protecting my life. Those things are, are for my good. I heard this quote. Maybe you've heard this, this thought, you know, hey, go and apply this word to your life. Have you ever heard that? Go and apply this word to your life. That's what I would say to you today. But I saw this quote. It said, don't just go and apply the word to your life. Don't just add as an add-on. He says, but go and apply your life to this word. Set your life up to live alongside what this word says all the time. It's for, for our good. So number one is savor it. Value it. Number two, study. Number three, submit. Number four is this, speak the word. If you look at just, uh, if you go with me to Matthew chapter four. Speaking it, Matthew chapter 4 is just an incredible picture of what Paul was saying to the Ephesians in, in chapter 6. He's like, hey, there's a battle going on, and here's what it looks like. Um, it says in, in chapter 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. That word into is actually should say the word in, and it changes everything because it says it wasn't just the Holy Spirit led him to the, to the desert and said, okay, Jesus, here you go. I'll pick up with you when, when you get back in 40 days. It actually means that that um, Holy Spirit led Jesus while he was in the desert. That whole, that whole time. And it, you'll see why that matters in a second. It says for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted, which means he didn't eat anything. And because he didn't eat for 40 days, he became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, he talked about those fiery darts. This is what's happening to Jesus. As he's there, the devil throws his dart of temptation uh, to, to, you know, make some food. Some tempting to doubt who, who, um, um, who he is. And he just says this, you know, that's not, that's not what, what's uh, happening. He says, it's written. This is what the Bible really says. This is what the Word says. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you're the Son of God, jump off. Because the Scriptures say, He'll order His angels to protect you, and they'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Do you see what just happened here? Satan's now using Scripture. And Jesus is like, Yeah, I wrote that. You know, uh, I inspired that. And it's like, so the devil's like, hey, You know what? Doesn't the Word say that you can do this? Don't, if, you, if you just look at the Word from this angle, doesn't it mean that what you're doing is okay? And Jesus says, listen, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Then it says, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you, he said, if you'll kneel down and worship me. You know, isn't that the same temptation he just uses on us? I'll give you everything that you think you want. Just go ahead and do it. And by just doing it, you give him that control in your life again. You give him that lordship in your life. And he, he just, Jesus just says to him, get out of here, Satan. He says, why? Because the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Do you know what Jesus didn't do and what most Christians do do? It's like, do do. <laughs> um, so what most, Christ, what most Christians do is this, um, is this idea of there's temptation. It faces them and they're like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to resist that temptation. And then it's like, oh, there's another, oh, I'm going to resist, I just want to do it. Uh, it's, you don't see Jesus doing that. He's like, hey, turn the rocks into bread. Oh, I don't want to turn those rocks into bread. Oh, more rocks. No, I don't want to turn those into bread. Oh, more rocks. Oh, I, I don't want to do it. I'm just going to resist. I'm going to resist. Oh, I'm going to oh, think happy thoughts. Uh, he didn't do that. But that's so often what believers do. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go with, oh, I'm not going to, oh, I resist, resist. Okay, fine, I'm going to do it. I tried. I really fought the good fight. I just can't do it anymore. And indulge in whatever it is. See the trick? trick, key, whatever you want to call it, is this. 
He says it's speaking the word. Once, you've, once you value and realize, man, it's for my good, once you study and say, man, I know what his word says, then it's that idea of, man, I yield my life to that because I know it's true, I know it's good, and then you speak that out. You begin to speak life into your situations, life into your life. See, with Jesus um, in this, in this um, spot as he was speaking out these things, do you realize that in, in all of that, Jesus would have had the whole t- Old Testament. They would memorize and go through that. So when he was out in the desert, he probably didn't have it with them. But all of those scriptures come from two chapters that are right beside each other in, De- in Deuteronomy. You know, I can imagine what he was meditating on that morning, Deuteronomy 6, 7, and 8. Because that's where all three of those verses that he responded with came from. Have you ever had that happen in your life? Whereas you're reading in the morning, you're just going through your devotions, and you're just reading some of the Word, and then all of a sudden that day, it's like, whoa! Huh. He reminds you of you like, I needed that. I had that, uh, you know, I had that often. But a couple weeks ago, again, it happened. It actually, it was like this chain reaction. A pastor down the road was doing his, just reading his devotion. He said, Mark, I feel like this word is for you. And he sent me this, he sent me this scripture. And it had to do with don't be afraid, trust God, because he's got you. And, and I'm like, okay, cool, but I'm not afraid today. So I, all right. So I kind of was like, I'll read that for my devotional this morning. As I'm reading that, that day I get a phone call from the hospital with Greg and Libby. And they're like, hey, you know what? We have to go in. Uh, we have no idea what's wrong with Millie. And they're, they're panicked and freaking out. And so I drove to the, uh, so I drove to the hospital. That, you know, the, it was the following morning. And I was, I was on my way there. Uh, all of a sudden, I got to Hamilton, and, and, and the Holy Spirit just reminded me. He's like, hey, that verse is for them. And I was like, ah, cool. So I went in. I was like, you know what? I just feel like to share this with you guys, to give you, to give you that. Uh, and just say, realize, don't be afraid. He's got you. Here we are hearing miracle, right? You know, after those many days, miracle. But what is it? It's that thing to carry you through. It's that thing to say, yeah, I'm going to hold on to that. Um, how many times, you, you know, that y- y- if that's happened to you, how many days go by where there's no word in your life at all? And you think, how many of those opportunities have I missed? How many of those things have I missed? The first one is savor. Second one, third one, fourth one, speak it. The idea in Ephesians is you're speaking the word against spiritual enemies, not against people. But just a quick reminder, if you are going to speak the truth to others, don't do it like this. Do it in love. If you're going to share the word with others, maybe it's truth, but share it in love. Well, I just told them the truth. They need to hear it. Yeah, but sometimes there's just a way of doing it, a way of saying it. I would encourage you to do that. And the last one is this. Stand. Stand on it. After all of the things of valuing it, studying it, submitting my life to it, and speaking it out of my life, then stand on it. And here's, here's why Paul said to the Ephesians, he said, take up all the armor, and having done all the stand, stand. Once you've got it all on, once you're in that battle, just stand. Don't give up and don't give in. Trust that what he said is true. He says, from now on, live like this. Not just in that time, but live like this all the time. Jesus said in Matthew um, chapter 7. He says there was two men who built houses. One built it on the rock and one built it on the sand. And the storms came and the, the winds blew and they beat on that house. And it says the one that was built on the rock, it stood. Well, Jesus made the comparison to this. He says, if you hear my word, if you hear this message, not just read the things on the page, if you hear the essence of this message and follow it and obey it, you're like that. You're the house. You're the life. You're the business. You're whatever it is, but you're built on a rock. And it says the wind, and it says the waves, and the rain. It wasn't just a little bit of rain. It was enough to make floodwaters hit this house. It says that house was firm because it was founded on the rock. It says the second one was the, the house where it says, if you hear the word today, if you hear it, and it's like, you know what? Now it's cool. Five S's. 
yeah, that's cool. But you don't obey it or don't, don't um, allow it to affect you deep down here inside. Because you're going to be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. And the same storm, okay, the same wind, the same rain and floodwaters blew and beat against that house. And it's, it fell. And it says, and great was its fall. See, the thing that it uh, says is that the storm, that's not an option. The storm, the test, that's a guarantee. Many of you know that. You're like, you're in it right now. You're like, man, I, I believe you. Yeah, I know it's like that. The thing that Jesus was saying through this thing is, through this story, and Paul was saying to the, to the Ephesian church after that, and I'm saying to you is this, that the ones who hear the word of God and do it, they're the ones who survive the storms. The ones who neglect this, don't... Uh, just do not value it. Don't study it. Don't, don't stand on it. Don't use it. They're the ones who end up flat. The storm's a guarantee, but choosing to stand is your choice. I want to encourage you that with this thought. There's a storm coming. Are you ready? There's a storm coming in your life. Maybe you're in it, but are you ready? We spent six weeks looking at these things. We took our time just looking at truth, looking at faith, looking at righteousness, looking at the word, saying for this very reason, there's storms coming. Are you ready or will they take you out? Choose to take up the sword. Choose. Choose to take it up and say, you know what, I'm going to value this. Maybe I haven't in the past, but God, man, I see the need for it in my life. I'm going to value this, uh, value this message and this word. I'm going to study it. Maybe that for you is like, I'm signing up for Right Now Media. Maybe it's like, you know what? I'm going to join a Bible study. Do something about it to grow and learn in that. You're realizing today, I'm choosing to submit my life to it. God, what you say, I'm going to do. What you say, I'm going to do. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to speak life instead of speaking what everyone else is saying about everything. And I'm going to stand on it. No matter what happens, come hell or high water, I will stand on this because I know it's true. The choice is yours. I challenge you to choose choose life, choose to fight, choose to armor on, and and choose to stand. Can we pray? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would do what I can't. I've done my best to share in a way that that I feel people will be able to grab onto, but you're the one who makes it alive. So I ask Holy Spirit right now that you'd light that up on the the inside, in the areas that you're working on right now, uh, in people's lives, that they would today take one more step in their walk with you. Thank you that your words... uh, powerful and that it does what you've sent it to do. Just believe for great things as a result of that. Uh, Lord, I just pray for courage and I pray for strength and I I pray for your hope and your peace and your love to fill each and every person here. That uh, it would so change and radiate through their lives that others couldn't help but say, hey, what's going on? I want what you got. Thank you for the hope that we have, Jesus. It's amazing. Today we go out and live this life with you and for you.